Without any fight or fuss, you're having brunch on a Saturday morning with Rockus. In case you don't have a clue, this is the voice of Mr. Shaq that is singing to you. Good music, great conversation, the best program on the best station. So now that you know, there's nowhere else to go, so please don't touch your radio. For me, one of the most beautiful songs I've ever written, written by Winsford Devine, who recently passed. So this is our tribute to him. No. Oh. 
one can deny the price of progress is high. No one can deny that the price of progress is high, but oh gosh, if this is progress, it's sweet too bad. Vonet Big Vodder giving us a version of Winsford Devine's and King Austin's progress. Good morning to you, Vonet. Welcome to the Saturday brunch. <laughs> Good morning, Rockers. And you're talking Saturday brunch. I hope you have things for me to eat. It's, it's on the way, it's on the way. <laughs> Check the mail. It's coming just now. Good morning. Good morning to you and all the listeners of Talk TV. It's an honor for me to be on live, live with you right now. How are you going, Vonet? How how live treating you? Boy, how are you going, boy? How are you going, eh? One day at a time. That's one a good way day, to do it. Uh, yeah, one day at a time. I so say, when I get up in the morning, and I take a breath in, and I say, thanks for life, I just see how that day goes. Because I find that when I plan too far in advance, I get some little anxiety at that. Hmm. So it's one day at a time. As I get up, and, I, and, and one day passes, I just say, I can't go for that day that fast. Let me see what tomorrow will bring, you know? So, that's how I'm managing. Now, you see, you mentioned thing they make me want to jump into the conversation deep, deep one time, you know, girl? <laughs> because that, that way you talk about there when you start a plan too, too far in advance again, anxiety attacks. Mm. Like, that's a real thing plenty of people going through, especially but in this the, time. It, ha- it has to be real. It has to be real. I, 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 I was telling somebody the other day that I am the type of person who works. I like to plan boys. I like to, I like to sit, I mean, it's not everything everybody could plan for their life, but I am generally a somewhat organized person. Mm-hmm. So I like to see three months down the road, see six months down the road, this is what I plan to do, this is what I plan to do. So this, during this time where I have had absolutely no control over what happens tomorrow, it's been extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. It's been extremely challenging. And, and I really found that when I think about three months or five months or six months and I realized that, oh gosh, I have no control over what's happening in the next six months. I, the anxiety is just in, so I had to pull back and I had to just say, here what's going on. There's something you just, you just had a release. You just had a release. Well, in, terms of, in terms of coming to that, that clarity of saying, I had a release, I had to let us go, how long it take you to be able to get to that place? It takes me a while in a while. It takes me, I'm telling you, maybe this first because to be honest, I thought this pandemic was something that would give you a little six months, a little mm-hmm. six months maximum, you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I said, well, you know, we come and we go through this, uh, Papa, you <laughs> So, within the first six months, I mean, I found that I was managing, you know, because I'm thinking that things will, things will turn around, turn around. But I, then I realized that globally, of course, I'm listening to the news, I'm checking out what's going on, and I realized that, yeah, what? This thing in for the long haul, you know? And then I find like I started to get maybe in the seventh or eighth month, I found that I was having some extremely sleepless nights, boy. Mm-hmm. And just studying because here I was saying to a worker, it is not easy to not have an income, to not have a steady income and have steady expenses and bills. So Think that, about that. That is the next as the next part I'm going to. Because as an artist, right? Now it's one thing if you have you know, it's a plenty of artists who have a, a day work as leaders call it, right? You have a government job and you're doing right. your, your thing on the side. But right. in your case, that is not the situation, is it? It is not the situation. And I mean, the thing about it is that it took me such a long time post-Petro Training. Mm-hmm. It took me because I, of course, you know, I was employed at Petro Training for almost 20 years. So I always 
um, um, did my music on the side up until 2018. Right. And then when, when that decision to close Petrogen came, I said, I, and it took me some months too of bobbing and weaving and wondering to decide that I was going to do music and entertainment full time because, as I said before, I am a person that likes to control. I like. To, I, I'm not much of a risk taker. Right. So, so then, I, so then, wait. If you're not, if you're not a risk taker, right? It, mm-hmm. it, did you see that closure, Petrogen, coming? Did you have any idea that it was coming? To be honest, if I were to be brutally honest, and maybe you're the first person I'm telling that, I knew, I knew that Petrogen, as it was, could not have been sustained. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't see closure as the first and only option and I still don't because I felt like other measures could have been put in place before we got to that point. But I knew that the company and the management of the company as as it was at that time, it couldn't it, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable. So I knew some hard realities and changes would have had to come. But I didn't think it would have been closure. I, I didn't think so. Hmm. So then when, you, when that happened, then you had to now pivot, as they call it, uh, everybody's that, favorite word. And that's as, as I was telling somebody, somebody telling me the other day, well, Bonnet, you had to find something else to do. I said, well, I had to be on that bonnet, I was a DJ. <laughs> well, how much pivot do you want me to pivot? Because I post that train, and that's what I said. I said, you know what? I have been, I've been playing the music, I've been building the brand, I've been doing my events, and maybe this. What is the time for me to step out and say, man, because I feel that I have a brand or I feel that I could get to the point where I could sustain myself um, without having a day job here. But it took me a long time to get to that, to be comfortable with that decision because I, 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 I'm a fighting bad. Hmm. But I got to that point and I actually started putting things in place for that and I, I and and the, the decision became a very organic, comfortable one. And until until pandemic last year. Yeah. Yeah. And you know um, uh, it's so interesting, right? Because you're describing that to me and that that's any business that, that you know anybody decided to start within the last two or three years, right? Yeah. Any yeah. business or any entrepreneur, you know, everybody going through that same struggle. Where it differs yeah. for artists though, uh, is that you know, there's there's a good and a bad side because you know we have the opportunity to go online, as they say, yeah, and be able to still ply your trade. Whereas if you were running a, a physical store, you couldn't open unless you go online as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And having to deliver it that way, but you know, we know it's not the ideal situation for most artists. You well, were able. It's, yeah, it's not. It's, it's not very easy. And and let me tell you something, Rufus. Um, during this past eight to sixteen months, I've heard people demand so much of creative mm. because of course we are home people are home and they want to be entertained because they they can't go out as much as as, as they can and they want to be entertained but hear what i'm saying to them if as an artist or as a creative person you cannot figure out a way to feed your family how in heaven's name are you expected to create anything <laughs> when you just thinking about how you're living how you're surviving this how you're paying your bills at the end of the month it's very very difficult i mean there are some superhumans who can create in situations like that but most of us 
won't be able to rock us. We won't. Because your your priority now becomes survival. Yeah. And I, but they say, you know, they say that desperation sometimes does create the best art. So they say, so they say. And for those people who do that, kudos to you. I am surely not one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But you were able to you were able to still find a way, you know, when when they give you a little chance, they give you a little inch, you take it. And you went yeah. and you do a big showdown in, in the Naparimo Bowl. Yeah. I, I, for me, and, and, and this is something I absolutely always have to keep moving. That is mm-hmm. just how I function. I have to keep, so I'm always lying in my bed thinking of ways to beat whatever the current situation is. Um, I, 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 I like to, I like to do things differently. Um, so when this pandemic hit, we first started off. I first I, I did the first thing I did was a digital online concert. That digital that that was digital production that I I mm-hmm. when the series. Right. And then when the numbers weren't that high, um, I think we could still have twenty five persons in a public gathering. Mm-hmm. I did the I, I did this thing in my backyard called Jazz in the Jazz in the Yard. You know, a Jazz right. in the Yard series where I had um. Um, four sessions, twenty-five persons each. And they was, come that in and we, was that viable? Was that was that did that afford you honest, any, any profit? To be honest, very little profit because here was the problem with New Yorkers is that I don't know how to do things halfway. That's my challenge. That's not a problem. That's called that's, having standards. That's we need, we need some more people with that. I tell people if I'm doing a concert for thirty people and I'm doing a people the production costs are not necessarily going to be fun because <laughs> I, I feel like when I'm doing something I like to do it to the best of my ability so the backyard thing it wasn't a lot I think I made maybe a small profit but I still had to pay costs I still had to um, pay for rentals but it was it was it gave us something to do it was Ming Teron and myself I mean I could put a little money in each of each of our pockets, and mm. I and I made a small profit. And and, and about two weeks after that, lockdown came again. No mm. more twenty five people. <laughs> so so what to do? Then I started doing these Friday night lives, which I, I the last one I did was last night, and this was just a way for me because I tell people it's extremely important for me and for my brand that I remain connected to the people who buy tickets to come see me. That is so important to me. So that Friday night session was just my way of giving back. And it started off as giving back. But it ended up being a very reciprocal thing because it was healing for me too. Mm. You understand? It gave me something to do. You know, I would plan this song list and I would sit there and sing for maybe two hours and have people kind of interact. But it was my way of just spending time with the persons who appreciate who I am as an artist and staying very connected to them. So Vonnet, is I, it I, difficult to, to feel that connection through the phone? Like, I mean, you, if you're, you, you, you are singing to a phone or, or a, a laptop. I am. I am. How do you feel that connection with the people? You know, you know, I find it. I, I feel like they're right there, you know. <laughs> I mean, because I sing. And while I'm singing, they're commenting. It's very... It's very real time. Right. Um, so I'm responding to their comments. They send a song, I sing it one time. You know, so it's as, it's, it's as real as it can get in this online situation. Yeah. 
So I see you, I see you, I see you. Uh, it, it worked for me and it has been working for me and it, it's something that I've been doing. I kind of slacked off for a bit and then, um, but but I started back, you know, whenever I feel like I do a two hours, a three hours on a Friday night and, mm. and just connect with some people. And, you know, you've been able to, to do that and build your brand in general because that, that connectivity with people, I think, plays a major role in your, like you said, the success of people buying your tickets. Um, yeah. I, I want to know, though, as a as an artist, you see, you're setting it up as a business uh, to be self-sustaining, to sustain, you know, your, your art is going to sustain you. That's the, that's yeah. the objective. Yeah. Uh, are there other ways for you to make income besides live events? Well, I mean, apart from the, apart from online performances, because online, uh, online performances, what they do as well is that they afford you the opportunity to, to, to reach an audience that you'll never be able to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I still haven't mastered, um, I mean, I guess it, 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 it may take some time for me to sit down and figure out how to extend that reach as far as possible. I mean, through the lives, I've found that I've, I've reached people in different countries when I'm talking about being able to have those persons now pay yeah. to see you. You know, there's one thing, is one thing um, for, for people to log on to your life, another thing to, to charge $10 and have people pay for it. Because I, I feel somewhat, and this is my personal opinion, that people, I call it online fatigue. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel that since March of last year, people have been putting out online um, content. And a lot of persons have been paying to see that. But it, when it started off in March last year, it started off punky dory you know, you'd make your 20000 you'd make your 15000 But I saw that dwindle, dwindle, dwindle. Because guess what, Walker? Number one. Everybody started to do it. Everybody started to do it. Number two is basically the same people who would be putting for every single event. So we weren't able to reach a wide cross-section of people. And the next thing is, remember, oh, everybody affected by this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Everybody's earning capacity may be mm-hmm. affected. So where you might have been able to start off with 100 US in March last year, you might not want to put now. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen where the online thing has kind of, you know, I think it kind of reached a point of saturation and I don't, find it lucrative anymore but other than life for me i find that um and i mean i start pursue it a little merchandising i sell some mugs i sell some t-shirts mm-hmm. i sell some some stuff like that Just and you also had a you also had a small school that you were working on not so i was i, I was working on a, a school for the arts as a matter of fact had this pandemic not hit my school probably would have been up and running already. The only reason why it's not up and running is because I can't, I don't, I don't want to risk people's children's life and have them gather for anything. And so what, about, get... what about online schooling? Well, the, the thing about it is online schooling is that the children that I really hope to reach in Lumbury, because it's Lumbury and environment, the children that I really hope to reach are not the children that have access to tablets and computers, to right, be honest. Right, right. You know, so the online thing and the parents who have internet, so it's a challenge for them to even do online school. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the children that I hope to reach the most. It's not that I won't take those that have, but I really hope to reach the children who, under normal circumstances, wouldn't have access to music and dance and drama and stuff like that. So it's not very easy for them to, to do yeah. online, to be honest. Understood, understood. Why, not, why, why you chose music, you? 
Boy, I don't know if I chose music, you know, because I see, I see music chose me, you know, because I know it, it might sound cliche, but no, I... No, that was Shadow Tell me. <laughs> same Shadow thing, Shadow. That? Yeah, same thing. Oh, my. Oh, my God. So Shadow, and Shadow, do you know Shadow is my cousin? Shadow. Really? Yes, Shadow's mother and my grandmother were sisters. Well, yeah. look at that. That explains <laughs> so much. Yeah, yeah, Shadow's mother, it's my grandmother. Your blood. All right. We're sisters, yeah. I, I cannot remember a time in my life when I was not singing. I cannot remember a time when I just didn't use my voice. I've, since I, since my first stage experience, major stage experience, I was seven years old at Napoli, my bowl, and I was singing before then. Mm-hmm. I just, and if I, according to my grandfather, if I ain't talking, I'm singing it. <laughs> I always use the vocal cords. So I feel like it was just a natural progression. It was just, I just moved naturally into it because it, it, it uh, I said it shows me, I don't know. There was, there was a time when I didn't sing for very long. Mm-hmm. When I didn't sing at all between the ages of 20, maybe 20 and 30 for that 10 year period, I didn't do very much singing at all. I was focusing on, you know, trying to become an accountant and then a health and safety officer. I didn't do very much, but I tell people that passion is a thing you can't really stifle or you can't mm-hmm. really stifle it for too long. It finds its way out somehow, you know? Definitely. Ah, it's very, it's always so interesting, you know, you people, people go through their journeys, their various journeys, and, you know, you come out wherever you come out and you're doing your thing, and sometimes you just, you just ever stop and look back and say, wait, boy, I really, I reach here, boy? <laughs> what I, what I, what I found that I, I used to do is regret that I started, um, um, approaching this profession the way I should, this late. Because to be honest, I, I kind of really decided that I was going to pursue music as a profession when I was 30. Um, and it's because um, my husband kind of encouraged it, kind of put it, it's like, you know, he, he probably was saying things, that enough of this bathroom bloody singing. It's either you're singing or you're singing, <laughs> you know? And I, I found that there were times when I regretted not, I felt like I would have been so much further advanced had I not stopped. But you know what? In retrospect, workers, I think, um, I think the the time, the maturity, ordered yeah. well for my growth. Yeah. The fact that I was uh, mature, married, um, I, my my priorities were different. Exactly. So I, I I I put a plan together as to how to approach this profession, yeah. and I stuck with the plan and I felt maybe if, had I been younger I, I may not have done that so and, and I, I I don't regret it anymore I, yeah. I'm thankful for I'm thankful for all those periods and the decisions made during those times you know I, you always see these stories of artists um, locally and abroad and, you, and you, they go through that same thing you know where they're young and they come into an industry and instead of being able to have the focus that is required you know you get distracted very easily by these yeah. flashy things yeah, I didn't have I didn't have time for that distraction because yeah. I, I, I I thought that the fact that I was starting late, I was already starting at a disadvantage. So I wasn't about to be distracted. I, when I tell you I had a plan, I'm talking about I had a plan that I wrote down. Nice. I said in ten years when they're talking jazz in Trinidad and Tobago, my name must be in the top five names that they call. I I wrote it down. And I wrote down the steps that I think I would have to do, um, actually to, to get to that point. It was, it, was, it was a plan that we wrote down and, and we stuck with it. 
וואו. וואנט, וואי ג'אז? וואי, אני, אני, יוס, יו ברנד אוף ג'אז איזה ספציפי, בגלל שאתה עושה קוברס של קליפסוס, איקונק סונגס, אתה יודע מה אני אומר? אתה עושה רגעי ואתה עושה, אבל וואי, וואי ג'אז סטייל. אוקיי, אז וואי ג'אז, אני אגיד לך את זה. was very natural for me now I tell people that I was raised by two Christian grandparents one of whom uh, is still alive at 96 being on 97 um, they were not very well when I say very strict they were strict in terms of they knew what they wanted me to be a part of so I wasn't a part of many things however I was always allowed to be a involved in the art, music, dance, drama. I, I was always allowed to do that. The others, not so much, no party and I'm kind of saying that. But um, because they were Christian, they, there was very a limited, limited genres of music played in our house. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents would play a lot of gospel, Jim Reeves, Barzillard, Jimmy Swaggart, um, And I didn't hear soca and, 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 and stuff in my in our house. I heard Faro, I heard Kitchena, I heard King Austin, and I heard Shadow because Shadow was my grandmother's nephew. <laughs> That's before. <laughs> yeah. Faro, Kitchena, King Austin, and Shadow. And the rest of what I heard would have been songbook type stuff. Okay. Sarah Vaughan. Elisa Gerald, Lena Horne, um, um, Nat King Cole, and that is the stuff that played on the radio. Right. So that's kind of like the stuff I grew up on. So when people ask me why jazz, it's because that came so natural to me. Because I think it's what, in the subconscious, it's what was being played, and, it's what I, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it was what I was hearing. I didn't have options, you know. So, I mean, I had a period in my, in my teens where I rebelled and I was a heavy, heavy, heavy rocker. But yes. I was simply rebellion against the grandparents. Yeah. But the, the, the progression into, into jazz came naturally because I, I grew up listening to Sarah Vaughan, to Ellis and Gerald, mm-hmm. you know. And then mixing in the, the Kaiso with it. That came, that came, and I'll, I'll be very specific in, in, in telling you, and as I said, Calypso in general was not my experience. Mm. I didn't hear very much so. So to be honest, I'm still learning Calypso. I'm still hearing stuff that I wish I would have heard when I was a teenager. I'm still learning songs. I'm still hearing, and I'm always, because I, I figure out this is our thing, and that, that encouragement came in 2010, between 2010, 2008 and 2010, I was doing these small stints at Berkeley College of Music. And because more so I couldn't afford to go to, to college full time, I definitely couldn't afford it. So I would, I would take some time off and just go for these short things. Short you know, courses, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Until I, I enrolled um, for one semester, two semesters at Berkeley in 2010. And there was this teacher there who I really connected with. And... I noticed that he, he, he always had his eyes on me. He always looked at me. He always looked at what I was doing. And one day he said to me, he said, he said, he said, you, I, I, he said, you like jazz. He said, I see that you like jazz. He says to me, but why do you want to be another black American singer? Mm. He said, there are so many of them. He said, and no matter what you do and how well you sing it, It will never be you because it's not your experience. He said, the beauty about you is that you're Caribbean. 
he said, and when you walk down the streets of Boston, people can see that you're not Black American. So what you need to start doing is celebrate what is unique about you. And Rojas, that conversation, and it's not that I wasn't thinking about it before, but that conversation propelled me into a, a, into, to get into a mindset or a headspace of who am I? Who am I really? I'm this Caribbean, Trini, Labre, African descendant. How do I want to represent myself really? And the journey started from there. And the, the journey to self-appreciation and with that self-appreciation came appreciation of who I was as a Trinbegonian artist. And that's when I started kind of delving into our music. Bonnet. All the, all the, yes. Bonnet. That is, is, I done there. We good there. I, we could have <laughs> the interview right there. Because you know, the thing is that we don't always appreciate it, right? Until some, until we step outside and you realize, but wait, no. This is what does make the whole thing unique. Yes, boy. Yeah. And he said that to me. He said that to me. He said, when you walk this, when you walk down the street, this dark skin, bald headed girl, you walking down the street, mm-hmm. everybody can see that you're not a black American girl. Hmm. And that is something to celebrate. And, and, and he was so correct. He's now deceased, but I will never forget. And I'm telling you, along with him and, and my good friend, Ron Reed, who was teaching at, at Bookgazer, who is very Afrocentric and also, also very um, 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 conscious of his, his, his twin begonianness. Mm-hmm. All right, just now, Bonnet, I'm going mm-hmm. to I'm gonna have to pause here for a second. We're going to head across to join the NLCB Playway Draw, and then sure. we're going to come back and continue the conversation, right? Sure. You give me something I need. You give me something I plead You give me something I crave for I really need it too I really wanna feel great now So let me have my way now No one ever gonna leave I'm so invested in you Cause I really feel a vibe Every time we settle right down And it's nothing like this And it's nothing like this And it's nothing like single time we touch, boy, I never wanna stop because I always wanna let you know that I love you so much, it's nobody like you, and it's nobody like you, make me ball out, oh, 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 a long time it's overdue, long time it's overdue, make me ball out, oh, 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 long time it's overdue, long time it's overdue. Because you're special to me Very special Very special Oh boy, you're special to me Very special You're very special Like the sunlight and the rain come Like the daytime and the night come I'll be sure now, bound to come back Please don't fall out, don't break my heart Like the moonlight and the star come Give me all now, not a fraction Get to the point now, don't just full stop Till the last beat, when my heart stop I really feel a vibe every time we settle right down And it's nothing like this, and it's nothing like you And every 
every single time we touch, I never wanna stop because I always wanna let you know that I love you so much it I nobody lie. This morning inside the Saturday brunch, we are chatting with Miss Vonnet Bigfoot. Vonnet, you're still here with us? All right, yeah. <laughs> now, Vonnet, you dropped some gems this morning. Um, <laughs> I think that that, that that struggle is very real for a lot of Trinbegonians who are trying to, to do art. And, you know, we see or been influenced by so many other things. And we see this, this big shiny stage that we want to get onto. Everybody All wants right. to win a Grammy. Everybody uh-huh. wants to, you know, be recognized on the world stage. But not everybody's willing to do that introspection and and check check what we have here and see how yeah. valuable it is. Um, how do we how do we pass that that part of the knowledge down? Why how do we teach each other that without waiting on somebody else to teach with? You, you see, and and it's, it's it's simply just that we as a people. I mean, and it's 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 not it's not like I'm saying to somebody that I have I have never been more aware of how people in Trinidad and Tobago see creative uh, than during this pandemic. Hmm. I've, I've, I've had such negative encounters. I mean, some positive, but some... And I, I, I still think that we're at this stage where we see creatives and artists and musicians and dancers as, as the add-on, you know, something we want to have at the function just coming close to the end to, give it to, to, to lighten it up. The entertainment the, and them. To send people home, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And we don't see it as lucrative. We don't see it as 
the way we can sell ourselves as a country. We don't see that it is who we are. It is an expression of who we are as a people, and we need to capture that and market it. So as something as simple as, and, and, and I probably shouldn't mention this, but that whole thing that happened with Michael B. Jordan the other day, I mean, I had my, my whole ideas of it, and the jewelry room, and this, this validation that we always think we need to seek. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that that connection could not have brought us some reward. But I'm saying that I believe that we are supposed to spend time curating and perfecting what our product is. And we are the ones who are responsible for selling our narrative of who we are as Trinidadians or who we are as a people or what we have to offer. Others to jump on after and, and encourage. But we are not to depend on external validation for anything. We have every single thing that we need right here. We, we don't have investors. Well, we just need to understand what we and and it comes and I'm not and I'm I'm not talking about artists only here. No, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the powers that we are. I'm talking about the people who use the word industry very loosely. Mm-hmm. What is an industry? There's some a lot of elements to industry that's missing from this space here. But who who is supposed to put the elements there? Well, I I think the groundwork has to be set by the stakeholders. Um, the government, corporate, they, trust me, the artists, they are, there's a lot that the artists can and have to do. We also have to form some sort of collective and, and understand what ah, we want. And, uh, what, understand what is the what challenge, Vonnet? What is the challenge with this artist collective? We've been hearing about the collective for decades now. Everybody's saying <laughs> we need a collective. Why we don't have one yet? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I think, I think it's because we're still trying to define who we are as as an artist. You know why I think it is? What it is? What it had nobody think? that could lead artists in Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. It had nobody that, all your artists, all your, all yeah. your not allowing nobody to lead. Yeah. That is why I, I, I go just throw that away. And I, and I hear you. And I hear you. And I hear you because, and it's because we demand so much to it. Mm-hmm. We demand more than we are, more than we are even willing to give or more than we possess for ourselves. We're looking for a particular person, or maybe Jesus Christ, or some kind of thing. So it doesn't nah, he like and all, he and all, I hate us. We are be able to give people a chance, but there are so many things that we can do here without speaking. But but we have to figure out what's unique about us rockers. What is it that is so beautiful and so special that 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 Michael B. Jordan could want to tap into that we don't even understand for ourselves. Hmm. You understand? But it has to start with self-reflection and understanding who we are and how we want to be represented. Ay, ay, ay. Vonat, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning inside uh-huh, the Saturday uh-huh. brunch. But before you go, you're inside uh-huh. the people and them classics time. They will start a customer just now. Oh, God. All right? So <laughs> we have ministry press conference coming up at 11. But before that, right. I had to make sure we get in some classics, right? right. And I right. want you to start it off this morning because... You know, as as the guest on the inside, you don't end the classics time and you say you like little guys so on thing. So let me right. let me see what you have for me. Request a tune inside the Saturday brunch and um go wrap it up there. Let me do um No Money No Love by Fans. Bring up Francisco. Why, classic, why, why classic. you choose that one? I don't know, maybe because the lyric said um 
I be talk up to closely because John was, John was gone and out, or because he was left to or he was left to grave. She had her next man in South, so it's just a, a reaffirmation that South men have something special. <laughs> this is why this is why crime can't done for it. This right here is why crime care done. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Vaughn. That's big fun. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. <laughs>